this is my first time preaching here, so thanks for being at my party. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I am very excited to be here. I am very nervous, but um, mostly excited. No, mostly nervous. I can't lie to you. Um, but God has been amazing all week, and he has, through several of you and, and several other friends, has reminded me that you are my community and you're on my side, and that has brought me a lot of peace this week, and um, so thank you for that in the, all of the ways that you have served me this week um, through your prayers and, and encouraging texts and everything. So um, it has mattered, and I appreciate it. Also, I am excited because this is a topic that I love. I am all about connexity. Um, now, you can see in your Pathways journal that um, in your Pathways workbook, I should say, that that is the topic for this week. And it's important for me to say the word connexity. There's a couple people that are laughing. Um, I'm going to tell you why that's important if you don't know. Don't worry, it's an inside joke, but you'll be on the inside shortly. So um, I do want to welcome you to week two of Pathways. Um, if this is your first time here, or if you haven't been able to be a part of Pathways Journey either this year or in previous years, Pastor Dan did a great job of talking about this, this, um, this journey, and if you want to know more about that, I would encourage you to go back a couple of weeks um, to go to our Vimeo page and watch Pastor Mark's message a couple weeks ago titled, Why Pathways? And he does a really great job of, of just telling why we do this every year. It's very important in our church community. We recognize here that there, and I think everybody agrees, that there is a special power when people, when a large body of people are moving in the same direction at the same time, right? Momentum. And so we recognize that, and that's why, that's one of the reasons that we do Pathways. So it's very important. Pastor Dan also did a great job of reminding you to have your journals. Um, if you haven't picked one up, I'm sorry, I keep saying journals. That's what we used to call them. They are more of a workbook this week. It's important for me to make that distinction because it implies that there's some work that you should be doing in these books. So um, the staff and Pastor Dan and his team have put a lot of work into these books, into the development of these, but I just wanted to take a minute and, and tell you that as important as these are, the power doesn't come from the words that we have pre-printed in here. The power comes from how you interact with this book. So if you don't have one, please get one today. Take notes. Further the conversation. That's what we want you to do. That's where we think you'll get the most out of this journey. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to go back to the inside joke. So when the, my fellow pastors, Pastor Mark, Pastor Eric, Pastor Dan, and also many of you have been very encouraging to me about teaching for the first time. When are you going to when are you going to teach a message? When are you just very encouraging? And a few weeks ago, several weeks ago now, um, the the other pastors were very encouraging about me teaching during Pathways for the first time, and I, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't, but to be honest with you, I don't know that I ever thought that I would. So, um, but given the topic, it was hard for me to really disagree. So they convinced me. It wasn't a huge debate or anything, but they convinced me. Um, at the end of that conversation, that very encouraging conversation with my fellow pastors, Pastor Mark added his extra encouragement of why I needed to be the one that taught this message. And it was simply so I might have to say the word connexity 10 times in a message. 
Are you keeping count? I think that's three. I might need a volunteer, Paula or Bonnie maybe, because I haven't decided yet if I'm going to let him have his wish today or not. Um, Maybe, maybe not. Um, So to tell you about that joke, I have to tell you that this goes back 12 years. This is the epic battle between Lori and Pastor Mark, okay? 12 years ago in the fall of 2003, summer and fall of 2003, my family and I and, and some of the families that are here today were part of the launch team for Element 3 Church. We were part of another church. That church closed. We had brought Pastor Mark and his awesome family here from California, um, and we were developing something new. So we um, were having lots of meetings, lots of conversations about what would this new church look like and what would it be about? What would, what would our identity be? So we had hours and hours of meetings, some of them excruciatingly long, um, but it was important. So it was great conversation. One of the things that Pastor Mark had us do at one of the meetings, as we were developing this language of who we would be known as, what would E3 be about, we were developing the original purpose book is what we were doing. And we, as a group, collectively, there were probably 40 or 50 of us, if I remember correctly, we, we mentioned, we, we listed out things that we felt would be important. They became our purposes discipleship, service, worship, um, outreach. Fellowship was the fifth purpose. And at that time, then what, what Pastor Mark instructed us to do was to separate into the groups that we felt like we were most passionate about. We were all passionate about all of them. All of the, everybody was on board with all of those things. But he wanted us to kind of separate ourselves and group ourselves based on the thing that we were most passionate about. Now, Most of you know me from being up here on this stage, but usually I'm standing about here and sometimes over there, but the microphone has to be a lot shorter when I'm standing over there. Um, So you would think that I would be a part of the worship group, but for whatever reason, God had me take a look at that group and there were a lot of people already in that group. And so he directed me to the fellowship group, which is something that I am also incredibly passionate about. So I was there in a group of, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 12 people. It should be said that I was probably the most vocal one of the group. That's going to come up, and, and so that's, that's probably true. That's true of most groups that I'm in. I know many of you know me and can back me up on that. Um, so Pastor Mark would go around to these different groups and help us develop this, this language, the words that were going to go in the purpose book. Now, I mentioned that we had invited Pastor Mark and his family here from Southern California, the West Coast. I'm guessing that it took Pastor Mark minutes to be in Tallahassee to realize that there were going to be some language barriers here. We say things differently. We, there are a lot of things that are different, and he learned that quickly. There were also things that we had to learn about him, things that he said differently. Now, in this case, Pastor Mark, didn't, he wasn't opposed to what fellowship meant, but he didn't like the word. He said it was kind of traditional and, and old-fashioned, maybe, and it just didn't seem like us. It didn't seem like our identity. So in this group, we all said, okay, okay, give us another word, something that means fellowship, 
And he said, well, I have the great word. It means connecting people in biblical community. We're like, well, that sounds awesome. Tell us the word. I, I'm serious. I was in agreement up to this point. <laughs> it's important to say, Pastor Mark has told his version of this story many, many times over the last 12 years. Now it's my turn. <laughs> the final truth comes out. So I was in agreement up to this point. And he said, well, the word is connexity. And all of us looked around at each other and we we're like, well, we don't. I don't know this word. Do you know? Nobody, nobody else knew the word. Okay? So I had learned enough. Uh, Pastor Mark had said that it was a brand new word. I had worked with him enough to know that there, this is, a, this, is a, this is the start of when I started honing this gift that I have of taking what Pastor Mark says and going, maybe I should ask a couple more questions. <laughs> Dig just a tiny bit deeper and so I've done that for 12 years. I'm, Shannon's done it for more than 20, I'm sure. Um, it is a special gift, and it comes in rather handy. The rest of the staff can tell you that I, that I get to be that bridge person. Um, so so I, he said, it's a brand new word. And I said, there was something there. And I said, well, brand new. How brand new is it? Is it in the dictionary? Is this not the way that it went? This is kind of, this is the way that it went. Is it in the dictionary? Now, I didn't think that that was that, you know, difficult of a question. I didn't think it was unreasonable. Do you guys think it's unreasonable for me to say, is it in the dictionary? Because when we were developing this language, part of the reason we were doing it is we were getting ready to send a mass mail out all over Leon County to say who we are, introduce us to our, to our Tallahassee community. So I thought it was important for people to understand what we were saying. I'm no marketing genius, but I feel like that's important, right? I didn't want to send something out that was going to confuse people. Pastor Mark said this, it's so new that it's not yet in the dictionary. We're going to be on the forefront of this word. It is coming out. Now, like I said, this was in the fall, summer, fall of 2003. It is so new, it's coming out in the dictionary later in 2004. It never did. Every year since then, he sends me a link at some point during the year saying, it's coming out in the next dictionary. Here's the link. And he either makes me click on the link and chase down this wild goose chase that doesn't ever produce the word connexity in the dictionary, or he sends me something that says, well, it didn't make the cut this year, but I've seen the shortlist for next year, and it's in there. So, yeah, that's, our, that's, the, that's the epic battle of connexity. Now, I do want to say... Really quickly, I am going to give this to Pastor Mark. He, he likes to tell people that in our 12 years together, working together in one fashion or another, that I don't let him win an argument. I am a champion debater. I was raised in a house of four boys. I was right in the middle. If it was an Olympic sport, I would be the gold medalist of arguing. <laughs> Pastor Mark can testify to that. But in this case, I hold in my hands proof that Pastor Mark did indeed win the argument. Connexity has been in every printed piece of material I think E3 has ever produced. And I am going to, on this day, on this stage, say that I have finally embraced the word. So I may not say it 10 times today, but I will give him that little gift because 
I mean, honestly, it's time for me to concede my argument because one of the things that he did several years ago is he put two of our primary ministries that, are, that have it in the title under my area of responsibility. So there's really no way around me not saying it anymore. So laugh if you want. You'll hear me saying it from now on. It is what it is. I'm going to have to deal with it. So now, despite how I felt about the word originally, make no mistake. I was fully sold out to what it means. Connecting people in biblical community is something that I have structured my life around. And and I fully believe in that. We believe in that here. We are very intentional about trying to provide you opportunities to be able to do that, like growth groups and classes and outward connectivity events. So we get it, and I personally get it, and I love it. It matters very much to me. Um, now, there are lots of ways. Like I said, I mentioned several of the pathways that we give to you or that we try to provide um, for you to, to live in biblical community. And I want to back up here at this point to part of Pastor Mark's message last week, which was about worship. And Ramsey, if you'll bring up the slide, one of the slides that Pastor Mark used last week, these are the major elements of ancient Christian worship. Now, as I was sitting out there last week and listening to Pastor Mark, and I looked at this slide, and I started making notes, something significant jumped off the page at me, probably because I was very focused already on preparing for this message, is that mostly... Really, all of these things, but certainly some of them are specifically designed around being in community with each other, right? Meal. You can have a meal by yourself, but if you have a banquet by yourself, you ought to be setting up an appointment with one of your pastors because we need to counsel you through that. You don't need to eat a whole banquet meal. You need to do that with other people. Share that meal. Word, obviously... Obviously, you should be in your word every day, in the, in the Bible every day, and you should do that on your own. But also, there's, there's a lot of significance in, in reading God's word together, and we do that here on Sundays. You do that in your growth groups. <clears throat> Excuse me, music. I enjoy music by myself all the time, and I worship in my car even sometimes by myself. But we have, we have recognized that corporate worship here, there's a special power when we come together and we unify our voices and lift them together with, to God. So we recognize that that's important. <clears throat> we do that in community. I'm going to make a, I'm going to tell you a little secret. This next one, initiation. I didn't realize how, ma- how bad my eyes were last week, what I wrote down was invitation. And so all week long, that's what I've been thinking that it said was invitation until this morning. So initiation, (laughs) baptism, obviously that makes more sense. I was trying to draw the correlation this week, but um, we do, we do, you guys, many of you have been here for baptisms before and we make that a big community celebration. And there's a reason for that. It's significant and it shouldn't be done alone. It should be done and sell. It's a proclamation, a public proclamation proclamation that you should do in front of your family and your friends. Um, Time, feasts and fasts. Again, um, fasts, obviously that's something that you can do on your own, but it is powerful when you share in that journey together. So this struck me last week that um, Pastor Mark had used used this slide, and, and as we were talking about worship, it was just another reminder that of how God has set things up for us to, to 
do in community. The significant things that we do as a church body that it was designed for us to do in community. Was also interesting, I'm going to steal, kind of steal from Pastor Mark from last week. Um, It was very actually confirming to me one of the scriptures that he referenced was a part of the passage that God had brought me to for my message today. And we're going to read that together. It's going to be on the screens. It's from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's also in your fridge fold. And this is the guiding scripture that I have been using as I've been preparing for this. And like I said, Pastor Mark referenced part of it last week. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. I'm sure they intended to put connexity there, but um, Luke wrote fellowship. I'm sorry for that, Pastor Mark. Fellowship, those who were being saved. So um, even as they are talking here, Luke is writing, he's talking about lessons for developing the early church. These are still principles, obviously, that we, that we live by today. Um, I want to highlight some of the, some of the words that, that they said that it says in the scripture, teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, the Lord's Supper, prayers, all of these things have been listed on, uh, as we're talking about worship, um, and they're also designed to be in community, shared everything they had. Um, just if you don't know, that's also the, why we have the, the um, Acts 2 fund. That's why it's called the Acts 2 fund is from this very scripture where people here share their resources with a fund so that the church body can care for other people in our community who have needs, and it comes directly from this scripture. If you want to know more about that, please email me because I'd love to chat with you about that. They worshiped together. They met in homes. They shared their meals, praising God together and enjoying the good of all, goodwill of all the people. So all through scripture, I've, I've just chosen this one, but there are many places where God talks about how we should act as a body and how we should be in community with each other. So we know who our community is. Hopefully your community is E3 or, or um, I mean, if you're here, I'm assuming that it is. Um, but I want to dig deeper and ask you the question, okay, you have your, your community identified. Who are your people? Now, I like to, that's a phrase that I like to use, and I've heard several other people use it. Some people say, Who, you're my person. I've, I've heard that in media a lot lately, you're my person. And we all have that person, hopefully. But I, like, I want to ask, who are your people? Who are the people that you are, not the large community that you're doing these things with, but who is the smaller group of people that you're sharing your life with? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my people. I grew up in a big family, like I said. Um, I, I, had four bro- I lived in a house with four brothers. I had a blended family, so I, had, I also have sisters that didn't live with us, stepsisters that didn't live with us. I was used to the love and support of a lot of people, a big family. 
when I moved to Tallahassee, I had no family here. Now, they still loved and cared for me as best they could from afar, but they couldn't care for me in my daily life here, and so I quickly realized that I needed to find some new people. So I have had a lot of friendships over the years, but after Carl and I started our family together, we became a part of another body of people. Um, many of them are on the launch team of this church, like I previously mentioned. Um, we, we, I mean, hopefully you maybe have already read in the workbook my story that talks a little bit about this group of people. If you haven't, I would, I would ask you to do that. Um, so we had, we, we collected together, we just kind of magnetized towards each other as, as God would have it, I guess. And we formed a group um, that we, we shared in the birth of our children. Um, we, we grieved together. We um, celebrated um, new jobs. We prayed through cancer diagnosis. Um, we've lived through some of them moving far away from here. I, I have some, this, this group of people, um, some of them are praying for me now all the way from California because they are still a part of my life and we are still doing life together as best we can with all of the miles that separate us. So I want to introduce you to my people by way of a picture. And I want to tell you first, before we show this next picture, um, that we have jokingly referred to ourselves as the village people. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know, I don't know why we ever came up with that, but we did, and it was, it was because we recognized that it takes a village to raise kids. I mean, toddlers, tweens, teens, can I get an amen? You got to have some help, right? That's hard work. It still is hard work, and I need, I will be the first one to admit I needed a lot of help to help to get us through through all of that. So, so we titled ourselves The Village People, and I'm going to show you a picture of them. Um, Ramsey, go ahead with that first picture. No, not these are the village people, not the village people. I show them my village people. Now, this isn't everybody, but this picture was taken uh, just a couple of months ago as we got together to celebrate a couple of those kids' graduations. And a couple of those kids, we, we've known, everybody has known them since birth. Um, Thank you. Um, some of them are here today, and some of those people are ones that are, have been praying for me in this journey. We have, like I said, we have for all, some of them almost 20 years, we've done life together. And it's been hard, and we've put in the time, and we've put in the work, but it has been worth every bit of the hard work. So I think it's also important here to note that I'm not biologically related to any one of those people, except for my children. That are, that are in that picture. And that brought me to another verse, and it's one of my favorite verses. It's, it's a set of verses, I should say. It's one of my favorite stories. It's from Ruth. Because it reminded me that your people aren't always, and I would even say usually aren't, your family, your biological family. I'm going to read this verse. I believe that we'll have the slides up there for you. Now, this is Naomi um, telling Ruth and, and her other daughter-in-law that their, the sons have passed away, the, the daughter-in-law's husbands have passed away, and, and Naomi is trying to send them back 
to be with their biological families, their blood families, because Naomi recognizes that they need to have some security and they need to go on with their life, and she tries to send them back. Let's read this. I'm going to read this to you. Um, oh, I should say uh, from the story, you'll get that Ruth is having none of that. So, <laughs> look, Naomi said, uh, look, Naomi said to her, your, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. I love that picture because it gave me peace and comfort to know that it was okay that I was here without my family, and that in order to have a full life, I did not have to move to wherever our closest family was at the time. Right now, that's North Carolina. We have Carl's family's in Texas. I mean, they're nowhere near here. So I needed, and we needed, to develop a support system that was here. And that's what we did through, this, through these groups. Like I said, some of those relationships have lasted for 20 years, and new people have been added to this group through this community here. We have done and we still do life together, fully immersed in each other's lives and fully engaged in each other's lives. So much so that we, we know what's going on in each other's lives. And a, I want to tell a little story um, that is a picture of this. A couple years ago, almost two years ago, my mother passed away. I was here on a Sunday when I found out that she was in the hospital and that she wasn't going to make it the rest of the day. My husband was en route to Haiti for his first trip to Haiti when I got that news. He had landed. He was in the airport in Port-au-Prince. But my people, my people, already knew that my mom was in the hospital, that things weren't looking good. They had gathered around me. They were praying with me. And I felt fully and completely supported despite the fact that my husband, my partner, the love of my life and the person who has supported me the most was, seemed like a million miles away. And not only was I fully supported at that time, so was he. Because every instinct in his body was saying, get back to Tallahassee. You got to get back to your wife. I was able to talk to some more of our people who were there with him and gave them specific instructions to not let him get on the plane. This was not a surprise to God. He knew what was going to happen. He knew where Carl was supposed to be. And God assured me that Carl needed to stay put and he needed to do the work that he was called to do there. I had all that I needed here. How cool is that? I, I, that was one of the most devastating things I've ever been through. And I didn't lack for any care or any support. And it's because we have invested in our relationships together and they could properly care for me even, even when, while my husband was away. 
So that's who my people are. My question today for you is who are your people? Do you have relationships like this in your life? And I pray that you do. If you don't, then one of the things that I get to do in this job is to help you find those people. Right? We, I mentioned earlier, we, we do growth groups here, classes, connexity events. Everything that we do is designed to bring people together and have you journey together towards God, not just corporately on a Sunday, but from Monday to Saturday as well. And that looks different for everybody, but you need to have people that are helping you on Monday morning, not on Sunday in the red eye. You need to have people who can help you on Friday night. I say Monday morning because that's probably the hardest part of the week for everybody. (laughs) So I, I have a little bit of a homework assignment for you this week. I would encourage you in your Pathways workbook to make a list of who those people are in your life. Who are the people who encourage you? And are, you can call at midnight and say, you know, I'm broken down on the side of the road or, or even worse, I'm in the hospital with my child and I need somebody to come. Who are those people? Like I said, if you don't have those people, please reach out to one of us and let us help you get connected with other people in a smaller group. But as if you do have that group of people, then one thing I would challenge you to do is kind of review that list of names and make sure that you have people in that circle who are going to encourage you. You need to have in that group people who are going to tell you truth, hard truth, about the way you're living your life. And then they're going to link arms with you and walk you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. You need people who are pushing you towards growth. You can't do that on your own. Not, not, it's not sustainable. I don't believe. You need people in your life that you can confess to, that you can say, this is the hard thing. We're having major, this isn't my truth, I'm saying this is what somebody can say, is that we're having major financial issues and we're about to lose our house. And no one's pride wants to allow them to say that to another person, certainly not outside their family. But it's important for you to have people in, li- in your life that you can say that to so that they can, again, link arms with you and say, how can we get through this? How can I help you? Now, I want to say this here also. Those people, when you make that list, those people can't be your pastors. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that that we as pastors don't have our own set of people, but we are not the pastors of that group. We are friends and, and family when we are in those circles. There are four pastors on staff here, and there are hundreds of you. On any given Sunday, 400 people come through these doors. And that's not everybody that calls E3 their home church. But even if it were, that's a ratio of one to 100 as much as I would love to care for every single one of even a hundred of you, it's not possible. So you need to find people that you can. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come to the pastors for counsel, for conversation, for us to help you through certain things. Absolutely, you should. We want you to. It's what we're here for. But we can't do your daily life 
with you Monday through Saturday also. It's just not possible. I wish it were, but it's not. And it, I have lost sleep over the fact that there are people in this community that don't, have, they don't know who their people are, and they walk through this life not being cared for through dark, hard times. So I would challenge you to not let that be the case here at E3. Don't let it be the case for you. And certainly, if you know somebody that is in that, in that place, don't let them stay there. Um, it is important to really invest in the relationships and really do life. We talked about that. If you don't have them, start some relationships. Start, dig deeper into the relationships that you have. Um, one of the things that grew our relationships deeper, and I don't recommend this for everybody because it was really hard, but you saw that group of people, and that isn't the fullness of that group, but we have traveled together, and nothing will bring people closer than packing 25 or 30 people in a four-bedroom beach house for a long weekend with kids aged baby to 15. So um, that's one way, I guess, that you can develop some deeper relationships. We also... Again, ill-advised, we also traveled together in a large group to Disney between Christmas and New Year. Also, don't recommend that. However, our relationships were cemented when we did that. So it was difficult. It was hard. So find your own Disney World. Find your own way of, of um, just furthering those relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. Like I said, I've been in relationship with some of these people for 20 years. Some of them, some of the relationships are much newer than that. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to have the time, you have to make the time, and you have to put in the work. But it can start today if you don't already have it. I'm going to leave you with this. I came across this this week, and I think it sums up everything that, that we're saying and everything that I feel. This is a, an old Zambian proverb. Ramsey, if you'll bring up that slide. When you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. Amen. Amen is right. I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me. Um, yeah, I'm just going to invite you guys to pray with me.